0: Hi, my name is Leslie Kauf, and this is the podcast, Breathing Out Stars. So last week, I was having so many feelings about everything going on in the world, and of course, uh, the pandemic, and just maybe all of the limitations that life has brought, which, of course, limitations can bring opportunity, but that's it's another discussion, that I, I just, I thought, okay, I just need to get out in the garden because it felt like everything was very out of control. And here, you know, it's uh, midsummer, things are growing big, and it really felt like everything needed to be tamed I mean, I felt like that feeling like I needed to tame my insides too. So at six in the morning, I went out into the garden, which I am saying is a machete, but it wasn't really a machete. It was a Clippers, which used to be a chicken bone cutter, but I no longer have chicken. So I have this bone cutter, which is now my machete for the garden. And I just started for two and a half hours cutting this, pulling this, trimming that, trimming that, just trying to get everything in control or really to get myself in control. Two and a half hours. There was a pile of brush, a pile of refuse from my garden, probably as big as a small automobile. And I was, of course, exhausted. um, But emotionally, I felt so much better because I had created an outlet for just... Whatever was feeling inside me that it needed to be outed, right? So my neighbor, of course, thought that uh, this is so awesome. Look at all this work that Leslie did. I'm so impressed with your gardening, he says. I mean, really, that was ridiculous. Uh, Gardening, in some ways, is a way of growing what's inside of us and also taming what's inside of us. Um, It's actually very interesting that all the English gardens are all totally perfect, totally tamed, and the English are known for just stuffing their emotions. It's very interesting. The French gardens are always overgrown and so lush and untamed. And I don't know, have you met the French generally as a people? Very emotional. It's very interesting. Just... It's all very interesting. So it was about uh, four, probably four years ago that I I read something somewhere. And if you know me personally, you've probably heard me repeat this, that prayer is an act of resistance. Gardening is an act of uh, nourishment and resistance. And prayer is an act of resistance. Why? Why is prayer an act of resistance? Because when you pray to the universe or, what, or whoever God it is that you pray to, you are daring to petition for the world to be different, which is an unbelievable statement because how many people really think of prayer as a, as a rebellious act, a resistant act? It's, uh, it's, pretty, it's pretty mind-blowing when you think about it. So I want to tell you a story A few years ago, when we lived in Atlanta, many years ago, in fact, at this point, um, I had a radio show. I hosted a radio show in a small radio station. It was called The Medicine Mix. On this show, I used to have physicians, healthcare type people come on the show and we would chat. We would discuss different issues, uh, things in healthcare. You know, I was doing one of the things that I do best and you know, that's talk. So I had this idea for one show. I invited a local minister, a local rabbi and a surgeon that I knew one morning to come onto my show. And we're sitting in the studio because of course, back then everyone could be in person, you know, a hundred years ago, seems like a hundred years ago. We're sitting in the studio, everyone at their own microphone. And I began this time thinking of asking them if they believed in God. They did, of course, have different answers. Each one of them, the minister, the rabbi, the surgeon, they answered one by one. There had been research at that time. This was probably 12 years ago, which I believe is still continued um, on prayer and healing drawing some sort of connection between the two, that when there's prayer, there's a more positive effect on healing. And, you know, we're in a big time that needs a lot of healing right now. So back then, we discussed this. We talked about what these guests of mine, the rabbi, the minister, the surgeon, had seen in their practices, in their lives, in their personal lives, what they had seen and what they had felt It actually was an awesome show. I wish I had the tape of it still, because it was was really engaging. When our allotted time was over, when the hour was finished, we found ourselves, the four of us, in the elevator going... Oh, yeah, that's when people could be in an elevator together. Going down the elevator to the parking lot, still engaged in conversation about this. It was pretty amazing that we had a hard time not talking about prayer and healing, ending the discussion because we were all so engaged. We could not stop talking about it. Now, not everyone, as you may know, believes in God. Some people believe in peanut butter, apple pie, cable news, cable sweaters, ice cream, iTunes, you know, um, Spotify. I, personally, I believe in... Ultimately, I believe in goodness, Tinkerbell, caramel apples in autumn. I believe in paint. And since I've moved to Wisconsin, I believe in wool socks. I believe there's a lot of stuff that we don't believe because we're frightened, and there's a lot of stuff we believe because we're we're frightened. Mostly, I believe that the human heart and soul are powerful powerful entities, and that there is so much that we don't know. I tell my patients, I'm uh, also an acupuncturist for 35 years, if I didn't happen to mention that. I tell my patients this line from Shakespeare's Hamlet. There are more things in heaven and earth, Horatio, than are dreamt of in your philosophy. There's always room and space. In our lives, and our hearts, and our minds for that 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 we don't understand. I find in my work uh, as an acupuncturist that I believe in God more than I ever have. It's not an easy admission, actually. It's just that I've seen a lot of stuff happen and not happen, which confirms my personal suspicions that there is more at play than just us moving about our lives like pieces on a chessboard. I want to just add here that other times in my life that I was sure that there was a God was when I fell in love, number one, when my children were born, and when my washer and dryer were delivered for the first time, and not necessarily in that order. When I first was in uh, graduate school years ago, I f- thought my job was to heal people, Chinese medicine, right? At that time, I understood that to heal somebody was to make them better. At that time, I was very anxious to make people better. I felt like if I didn't, that there was something wrong with me. It's true that people go to doctors or other practitioners because they desire healing. It's not just healing, but it's fixing. I guess the question is, is healing really fixing? Sure, you know, fixing is part of the picture. I do and have done as others have done. Plenty of people have done. I've done a lot of fixing of other people. And let me say right here that I'm appreciative to people over the years who have come to me trusting me to help them. But sometimes fixing is is not required. In fact, sometimes it's not possible. And sometimes it is. It is completely beyond the scope of my practice and my place in life to tell anyone that they can or cannot get better. My job is to do what I can within the scope of my practice and to do it with love and hope and with skill, I hope, with experience and also, I hope, with wisdom. So years ago, you know, 35 years ago, I had just opened my practice when somebody I knew who was struggling uh, with brain cancer and with the treatment for his brain cancer came to see me. Um, acupuncture can help with side effects of cumulon radiation. So this was the reason he came. I, I know that over the years I have been known. I've known many people who are ill. I have been ill. They fought. They've lost their strength. There will, as have I, but back then there were a few things I didn't always understand. At that point, I didn't quite understand, 35 years ago, is, well, what I'm supposed to do when I can't fix someone. So I knew this man, he was lying on my treatment table. I could feel, just by holding his hand, and I could feel his strength leaving his body, and I, I just knew that he wasn't going to make it. I was helpless I didn't I didn't know what I could do yet people people come to me for comfort to feel better to to do better sure I can ameliorate the side effects of the chemo and the radiation and I can use your imagination how I can help so there I am 35 years ago in my office holding the hand of this patient this man dying of brain cancer I'm thinking to myself what do I do didn't know what to do. Then it came to me. Suddenly, I just realized in my head, in my heart, I, I'm supposed to pray. So I began to pray to myself. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and be gracious to you. May, his shine, may he shine his face to you and give you peace shalom. And then I realized at that moment that this is what I was supposed to do with all my patients. I was supposed to pray. I was supposed to bless them. Now all these years later I don't understand how this happened. I have never told a patient that I have done so. Okay, now I've told you all. That is what I've done. Come to think of it, the surgeon who had been on my radio show all those years ago mentioned just that. He said he prayed for his patience before he started to cut. Then another thing happened a few years after that. I got a phone call from somebody who wanted me to help their son in hospice. He was 28 years old. I had done this kind of work before in some ways. This young man was having a lot of anxiety about letting go of life. I, I could help with that, actually. So here's a perfect example of how I couldn't fix somebody. In this case, healing meant prayer and acceptance and coming to a sense of peace with passing if there is any such thing. But for him, for him, it helped him feel like it was okay. It was what was needed. A few months ago, I had... Lunch with a man, a teacher, who I hold dear. He wanted to talk about healing. This was, of course, back when people were eating together in restaurants. Uh, We talked a little bit about healing. I told him that healing was not always fixing. But to me, healing means acceptance, being at peace. Here we have an opportunity to spend more time with our own hearts, free from many outside distractions. Me and my own heart. I will be praying for the soul of the world, my goodness, for the soul of the world, for peace, not necessarily for fixing. This is a conversation I'm happy to have with you in fact i, I can't really stop talking about it. We don't really know we don't really know what's going to happen next we uh we have to somehow be prepared. We can pray as an act of resistance, as an act of resilience to keep us going. We can uh, breathe because breathing in is, is the balm, the balm for our hearts. There are many, uh, many different practices of breathing in the world. I, uh, I heard on a podcast, um, maybe a couple months ago, um, some clergy that we're talking about, that when they were in school, they learned the kind of breathing that kind of opens them up to an internal query. The name of this kind of internal query, uh, the, the name of it is called Hidlam Dut, which means kind of opening yourself up and preparing yourself for whatever will come next. And this uh, practice of Quiet breathing, and remember I said breathing is the balm for your heart. It helps you. It's taking breath in. It's being aware of your toes, your ankles, the skin on your knees, the muscles inside and out, the bones, the organs, going piece by piece through your body with your eyes closed and allowing the breath to do its work. This kind of breathing in yoga is called Ujjayi Pranayama, where you close off part of your throat as though you're going to cough or clear your throat and you breathe through that closure, that small kind of closure. that, That does more of a kind of healing on your body than just in and out of breathing. As I said, we don't, we don't know what's going to happen, but we do know that we, we have to prepare ourselves for it. We can be open, knowing that everything's going to be okay if we can hold ourselves together somehow. Even if that means taking a, a machete to your garden, inside your garden, outside your garden. Doing what you can just to get through the day. You can't necessarily fix it. But breathe. Pray. Petition to the universe that you want it to be different. And sometimes it's just that kind of petitioning. It's just that kind of thought that will help you get through. Leslie Koff. This is Breathing Out Stars and thank you so much for joining us.